When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here today on a special day because today is Yannick Ngakwe Day. The day Yannick Ngakwe has been at least announced that he'll be coming to the Ravens. And joining me to talk about him is Jordan Coe. How are you doing, Jordan? Good, Ken. Thanks for having me aboard. Oh, we're, we're happy to have this. It's so much fun to have these discussions as they occur kind of in real time. Uh, Jordan, if you don't know, is the host of the, the co-host of the Situation Room, which is a, a podcast on FilmStudyBaltimore.com, available now. How many episodes out there now? We've got two episodes out there now. 
And okay. uh, yeah, we're trying to take a look at games and either bunches of, of plays that are similar or things that are happening in games that really identify unique parts of what are really moving games and try and break those down. We're trying to tweet out some of those videos so people can see those and, and join in in the conversation and talk a little bit about kind of high impact things that are happening in these games. All right. It's, by the way, it's a great idea. Whenever you're an analyst, you don't know what to cover. Try and break down one game or one season of games and try and find a common thread and then count all of those together. Look at all of those and see what they have in common. All the third downs that they only converted 25% of, or all the third downs where they allowed the opponent to convert 45% or, you know, this or that. But anyway, you guys, I know do a good job with that. Jordan, tell people what your Twitter handle is. Yeah. You guys can find me at at BSL Jordan Co. All right, great. And uh, I'm at Film Study Ravens, of course, and hope you give us both a follow after you after you listen to this, although most of you probably already do. Um, anyway, we're at a point in the NFL season that's interesting every year because there are a set of fans out there who want their contending team to make a number of deals that would be not unlike, say, a baseball team this time of year where they might acquire three or four players to fill a variety of needs on the team. And and that is just, it's not the way the NFL works. It's much harder to get deals done with the cap in particular and, uh, and fitting things under that. Yeah. And there's, you know, in terms of draft capital, it's so much more valuable. Um, you know, the, in baseball, you've got all these prospects and you can, there's a lot of wheeling and dealing and a lot of different valuations on these charts. And I think teams have a harder time of keeping track of exactly what their values are, but I'd imagine most NFL teams have a pretty stringent, draft value chart and, and draft understanding of, of what they think they need and where their, their evaluations are on all of that. Um, and the smaller kind of available pool of talent also kind of reduces all those opportunities. So we just don't see really big headliner deals that often in the NFL, Ken. Yeah, they're, they're very rare. And, and you know, you're making a great point. The lack of a minor league system in part is what, what does this. There's no backup roster. You can't trade people in your practice squad, for example. You, you you know they're they're free to be signed or they can be protected but they can't be traded so so you can you know you have limitations on on what you can do in terms of even things or people in this case that you can exchange that can be things to the draft picks for example but you but you can't you don't have an unlimited number of currencies you're working with or a greater number of currencies, you know, international draft signing spots and bonus pool, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all this stuff that, that, that you know, it doesn't exist for. So football's limited. There's a few trades every year, um, but it's usually a handful. And this is one of the really big ones. It's one of the really big ones, I think, in, in probably the last, uh, you know, three to four years. It's certainly be in the top 10 uh, is Yannick Ngakwe coming from the Vikings to be a Raven. Uh, presumably in time for the Steelers game. Yeah, I can't remember the last time a guy was traded two times in the first basically six weeks of a season either. Um, pretty unique circumstances for Minnesota to completely fall off the map in terms of their competitiveness. And, you know, it's pretty smart of the Ravens to jump in here. They get a little less value in terms of what they bought for Ngakwe, but um, you know, I think they buy a little bit of that back with in terms of draft val- or in terms of cap value um, and not paying him for the last few weeks. But, you know, all in all, it's pretty interesting to see a guy that was franchise tag traded twice and not be known as kind of what Earl Thomas was when he left the Ravens or, you know, Antonio Brown or these disruptors that that wasn't doesn't seem to be the case at all. Why he was traded either. Right. So, so let's talk cap for a second, because Yannick Ngakwe was signed to the salary cap originally. That was 16.8 million, I think, because it should be the same as Judon. 
Then he went to the Vikings, but part of that deal, part of what made that work is he was willing to cut his salary to $12 million as part of that. And I guess he had not signed the tender yet, and then he did with the Vikings or whatever the case was and signed the $12 million deal. But I th- somehow he's still under the franchise tag because I believe the Ravens are not allowed to try and create a long-term deal with him as of now. They have to wait till the end of the season. Go ahead. I've read otherwise um, that, you have. that that his, what the tender that he signed was did not carry the clause right. that it would prevent them from using the tag, but there's never clarity on these things this early. No, that's, <laughs> that's very good information though. And thank you for, for, for the catch on that. Uh, Zrebeck said today that he didn't, he didn't think they could, but, but we can, we can investigate that more. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to know and hear, uh, you know, from uh, Brian McFarlane and also other people who really are, follow this stuff, but that's That's great information. But anyway, 16.8 down to 12 when he went to the Vikings, originally what was on over the cap was that he'd had 8 million in prorated bonus and $4 million in base salary, which meant that the Ravens would only be picking up 10 seventeenths. That's the remaining weeks in the season since the Tuesday has passed already to have him paid this week of, this, of the $4 million. But as it turns out, it was really $8 million and $4 million, $8 million salary and $4 million priority bonus. And actually, I was looking at OTC today, and it changed during the day. In fact, I, I refreshed my screen when somebody told me. I said, wait a minute, those numbers just switch. So anyway... <laughs> Uh, it is what it is, but the Ravens have about 5.2, oh wait, 5.2 or 4.7, actually. I think it's 4.7 million. 10 seventeenths of 8 million. Let's do this eight times. Yeah, 4.706 million is the so amount. So that, that, that week won't count because because it, we're already into technically the Ravens bye week. I think the players get paid on Tuesday, and so this is Tuesday week seven. They've has already passed, and so week eight uh, uh, is good. That physical, that physical is going to go real slow then. <laughs> well, I th- they're they're already passed. They, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, they already paid him for next week. They could actually, I guess, if you're saying if they traded him Wednesday of next week, that maybe could work. But I don't think the Vikings will go for that. It, uh, but it, they could sure. get it could be one additional week. In fact, it, uh, you know, in theory, so that would be kind of interesting. Uh, in any case, uh, I believe the 1017 number is correct. If it's not, it's 1117. It's not a whole lot of difference, but it would be about 500,000 a cap. The Ravens would save if it's 1017. Draft capital, you mentioned earlier, a third in 2021, a conditional fifth in 2022. Now, I've heard various rumors about that, that second conditional pick, whether it might be higher or lower than a fifth. Oh, that, that it, it may not be. It's already lower than a fifth. No, that it could be. It could be a fifth, or it could, normally it could be a fifth, or it could be less. Right? That's normally the way the thing is announced. But the way I heard it, it could be a fifth higher or lower, either direction. From so, uh, you know, if it ended up being a, a fourth, and I would not be surprised if that's some return of comp value that's occurring in 2022 in case he leaves. So, if he if he goes unsigned by the Ravens. The Ra- they, they get a fifth if the Ravens get a fourth, maybe, or they get a fourth if the Ravens get a third kind of thing. And it would be some kind of arrangement like that, that that's a that's – a, uh, and there might even be something that if he's not signed at all, they don't get anything. Now, these, that, contracts, that <laughs> these contracts get – it feels like they get more and more creative every year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I often talk about how I think that the salary cap is, is kind of a myth in the NFL. It, it definitely – has its part and it definitely has an influence, but good GMs can find ways around all this stuff and create any space that they need at any time. Um, you know, the questions of what 2021's cap looks like are 
change that dynamic a little bit. Mm-hmm. But beyond kind of pandemic level surprises, there's a lot of room on the cap to do a lot of things. And and it's it's not going anywhere but up, um, you know, I think outstanding of the unique times we're in right now. Right. It's going to create an interesting point because I, I really, you know, part of me says I don't want to have any of the deals of this type. We already have the um, uh, Earl Thomas thing hanging over our head in terms of $10 million of cap that could be lost to that grievance or maybe an agreed upon difference in that amount. Uh, you know, th- there's already the additional signings that are needed, but the fact that the Ravens are in such good cap space beforehand really put them in a position to pick the bones of some of the teams who were in lousy cap space. I'd encourage people to go over to uh, Heinz Field Forum, the Steelers site, and there's a there's a very long, well done piece over there. It's a post on what one guy expects to happen to all of these different Steelers, and I mean they're going to have to basically gut a lot of people. And they're, they're one of the things they're talking about, which actually really makes me happy, is extending Ben Roethlisberger as part of this. So two more years of Ben Roethlisberger in order to be able to swallow his cap hit in 2021. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, we we'd be happy to see that. And but this all goes to kind of they'll you can keep kicking the can down the road, you know. Yeah. And and the Ravens are in great shape now because they were kicking the can down the road and they decided to clean it up. Um, mm-hmm. and and it's pay, is going to pay dividends in their ability to keep Stanley and Jackson and Humphrey if they want to. Uh, Humphrey obviously already already on board. Um, if they want to for Stanley and Jackson, I don't imagine a world they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but cleaning that up allowed them to do that, but. Even if they didn't have that, I think they could continue to do this and you can continue to kick the can down the road. So I'd love to, it feels like the Steelers have been in cap cap trouble for the last four years um, and continue to hand out extensions and continue to keep guys and not had to jettison anybody yet that I feel like was of significant note so far. So we'll knock on wood that it really bites them this time. <laughs> right. I, I, think, I think it can't help but bite them. I mean, the Ravens had to, even when they were kicking the can down the road, they had a lot of look let a lot of good players go. I mean, they let Pernell McPhee go and they, you know, they, it, uh, there are a lot of players. Everybody knows over the years that they, they really had to let go, but let's get back to Ngakwe. Cause this is an exciting acquisition and this is obviously a win now move, uh, you know, for that. I'm not in love with it for that, but what does he bring the Ravens is really, I guess the first question. And he really does give them a guy who can win some one-on-one battles on the outside. Yeah, which is I, I still think that's the one thing that they probably needed. I mean, Judon still can do that. Um, and I think the the dynamics of who you're able to put on the line now are going to be incredible. But he's a guy that you can put out wide, kind of isolate and leave him on that side and know that even if he gets doubled or there's extra help there, that there's a good chance that he can still get home or get a pressure. Yeah, probably not if he's doubled from what I've seen. But anyway, he's uh, he's he's a very good one-on-one guy, but he does love that wide nine stance. Like nobody I've ever seen, he wants to be as wide as possible. Really does not like to engage ever with two hands on the on the tackle. He wants to go one hand, he wants to chop, he wants to do the things he can do to avoid getting locked into this uh uh, you know, two on two combat, two arms on two arms combat where where he's likely to lose and not have the length he needs. But he, he knows how to get long with his smaller frame. He's 6'2", 246. Uh, he does not have the length of most offensive tackles in this league, obviously. Uh, but he, I mean, that's not Mr. Patrick McCary at left tackle, but he, he would, uh, he does have the ability to get long and he knows how to use it. He knows how to use one arm. It almost appears like he's bull rushing sometimes with one arm, but he's not really. And we'll get into that a little bit later. I want to make a, make a point about the one person said I thought was really good. 
is Otavia Moeller. And there, uh, we had a lot of people ask questions. We're going to try and mix the mailbag in as we go. Made the comment that this, um, the option to rush four that he expands on is something that will be really useful if the Ravens face Mahomes again in the season at some point. Yeah. I mean, it, it felt like the Ravens are worried about those guys that they need to be able to get after the passer um, and be able to do that from base and still be able to drop a number of guys. And and so Mahomes is the guy that we know of right this moment, but I think that there is the next few weeks are going to be tough and the Ravens have a tough schedule coming up. Um, and I think there's going to be some value for guys like Roethlisberger, who I think that Pittsburgh is going to try and spread Baltimore's defense out. Um, and, and he's a guy that's always tough to bring down. You want to get pressure on him, get him off the spot too. Um, but yeah, the Ravens have to be, if the Ravens aren't thinking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and what they're doing to be in a position to beat them, then they're not doing it right. <laughs> it's, it, it certainly is one of their ultimate you know, mountains they're going to have to climb. When the, the beginning of the Harbaugh era, they couldn't beat the Steelers. And they never really did for in, in any of the really important games until that 2014 playoff game. They're fortunate that they weren't around in the 2012 postseason, but uh, you know, it just, it, it was a unbelievable streak. In fact, it extended back into the seventies in Baltimore in terms of Baltimore teams losing to Pittsburgh in the playoffs. So with, with, I was there for two seventh game of the world series losses to the pirates in Baltimore that were, that were horrible. You know, the Clippers lost to the, to the uh, whatever the Pittsburgh uh, minor league hockey team was in the seventies. It wasn't the Penguins, but it was somebody else. Anyway, the, the uh, uh, you know the the Ravens, sorry, the Colts never had any luck uh, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in the seventies. So anyway, a lot of different things, and of course the Caps and the Penguins. So anyway, one of those things that that uh, happy to happy to get past it. In terms of other things that Ngakwe brings the Ravens, I think some of the complementary stunt ability uh, is 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 something he may be able to make use of now. I've got two conflicting sides to this. I want to get your opinion on this, Jordan. But the wide nine that he likes to rush out of and the likelihood that he's going to want to stunt from a wide nine as opposed to do what he does with one long arm, uh, you know, do you think that fits together? Uh, or, do you, or do you think, you know, basically he can change to adapt to a different scheme now that he's here in Baltimore? Yeah, I mean, that, that's really – I mean, that's the question – particularly given what Wink likes to do and how he likes to make people do things that aren't typically what are their strengths. And, and he's not kind of like, I'm going to play all our strengths straight down the middle and then occasionally change things up. He's, you're not going to know what we're going to bring at any given moment and we're going to always change it up. Um, so I think he's going to be put in position in a position where he's going to have to stunt or he's going to have to do some things where he's farther in than he typically likes to be. The Ravens also don't use a lot of that wide nine look anyway. I think there are some sets where you kind of have the heavy like Ward or McPhee as the guy between the defense, like a Calais Campbell, and then your outside guy. And it, it's kind of Campbell's lined up in like the one tech or even on the zero sometimes. And, and so it's kind of weighted a little bit. And he could be wider out in a formation like that. You could see a little bit of a push inside and the stunt being from the guy like McPhee, McPhee going around to the outside. Um, but, you know, I think the Ravens, my preference would be the Ravens don't ask him to stunt a lot. Don't ask him to change his game and kind of cut him loose at the thing that he's good at. I mean, for the most part, that's what the Ravens have allowed Marcus Peters and 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 um, Marlon Humphrey to do is kind of mm-hmm. be a little bit aggressive in in kind of how they want to attack the pass, knowing that they have the blitz and the help. Um, 
kind of in terms of getting to the quarterback and, and forcing them to rush it. So hopefully I, I'd like to see them kind of not try and make Ngakwe do too many things, particularly because we're getting him right in the middle of the year too. He's, he's going to have a lot to learn about the Ravens defense. And, and if it's as complicated as everybody says it is, it's going to take a while for him to catch up. Right. He'll, his job will be very much simplified within this defense. And, and I think there are a couple of reasons. Number one is I think he's going to be a situational pass rusher. I, I think that, you know, seeing how small he plays on the field against the run, I don't see that as the logical thing. The Ravens have much better players. And you know, I, I was asked online, you know, is he really better than what we have in terms of our current um, edge setters? And the answer is, to me is unequivocally yes. I mean, if Ferguson in particular is 30 pounds heavier, uh, he's a lot better rated by PFF. If you if you just look at Ngakwe play, he gets pushed around a lot when when tackles or any lineman get two hands on him. It's just it's a he's not you know a monstrous presence like Suggs who can basically make a tackle trip over his own feet. He's he's a guy who is going to have more trouble against the run, but is extremely slippery and extremely fast and good at using this leverage from the one arm technique. Uh, it's just, it's the run setting edge against the run, not his game. Yeah. I, I, I think that you're absolutely right. We're going to see him situationally and the Ravens do such a good job of rotating guys. Um, you know, the only concern is that, you know, if, if we get in a big game against kind of some of these quarterbacks that are good at no huddle and can run that and kind of keep a guy off the field, is that going to be an issue with a Mahomes or a Roethlisberger um, or somebody that's a little bit more veteran that can, can handle something like that? You, you really have to have a special quarterback to be able to do that because the Ravens last year faced Tom Brady at home, admittedly, but the Patriots run that very fast, no huddle where they, they get to the line of scrimmage very early. And, you know, Peyton Manning used to be there early enough that he could, he could really catch a guy running off the field. But if you're really in good communication, you really practice that you can actually make those exchanges and still get those blitzes done. And I, the the Ravens proved that they could to me in that Patriots game last year with, which was you know Chuck Clark calling the signals and, and, really coming of age in that game, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. So he was at 73% of the snaps in Minnesota. I'm looking at maybe 55 to 60% being a natural landing spot here. Doesn't mean he'll play no first downs and second downs. I just think he'll play a lot less. And when I went through the tape today, in terms of the first down passes, he wasn't in for all that many of them, unless they're obvious end of half kind of drives. Yeah. And even, you know, I, I think that there's there's just enough depth on this Ravens team that it's not something that they're going to need to ask him to be able to do. And I think that that's just going to, I think it's going to make him, it's going to be to his strength um, and it's going to allow him to play to his strengths and it's going to be a benefit for the team overall. Right. I, I, I agree. And they'll have six outside linebackers. They're, they're, uh, that certainly leans to some new package choices. But I think that once you have, if, if you're keeping all six and they might not, they might have to jettison somebody like Ward or figure out how to trade one of them or whatever it might be. But if they're going to keep all six, then I think Ward and Ferguson have to gravitate towards a first down roll, towards it, towards more of a run roll. And probably Ward loses his spot in the dime package, in the in the race car package at least, where where they have four outside linebackers in the field because I think they need that to give it to to Ngakwe. But I, I, I really, I think that it, it makes much more sense. They have the players now available to take those early down snaps. And, you know, one of the benefits will be McPhee, who'd been playing a lot of early down snaps. If you move Ferguson and Ward to take most of those, probably can play a few less there. And I think that's a very good thing. Yeah, I totally agree. And, 
Just one one thought on the stunting piece is also, you know, the Ravens have some better interior rushers now mm-hmm. than they have in a while. And so Ngakwe and Campbell lined up next to each other are that's a meaningful threat without a stunt. Um you don't have to be confusing when you're just really talented. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully, hopefully, you know, if we can we can angle that up, or even if you get some of these packages where, you know, we've seen Judon a little bit more across the line, I feel like this year. This is totally anecdotal. I don't have any data to back that up, mm-hmm. but I feel like we've seen him line up in more spots and do kind of be in more places this year, um, all still as a pass rusher. Um, so I, I think that talent level is is just that, that rising talent level on the line in general is is I think what most Ravens fans should be excited about but i think they have the ability to do a lot of switching like that first of all um judon and bowser have both lined up on the inside more this year i felt for a while in there that they were telegraphing the move and that just meant they're both dropping to cover um not every other team knows that not every other team can figure it out right the line of scrimmage but if they if they're really coached and filmed up on the thing they they can figure okay he's dropping he's coming we're i'm worried about him but in Judon's, sorry, in the, the case of Judon and Bowser, they're also both good stunt players. And so if if you have an underneath game going on to either side, outside of you particularly, you're still opening an outside rush for either of those guys or, or you know, a favorable inside rush potentially. So, yeah, they both can do it from the inside. I think the formation we're going to see, if we see the package I think we'll see, which is going to be four outside linebackers, Campbell, and six defensive backs, which means Patrick Queen, will lose some third down snaps. Don't think that's a tragedy either in terms of his coverage ability at this point. But, you know, it's, they're at some point, they're going to want him to have him on the field for more. But for now, I think it's going to be Campbell and four outside linebackers. When they when they dis, do that, I think what we're going to see is Judon lining up more like an inside linebacker to start with, picking his gap or dropping to cover as the play design around him deals that but i think that's what we'll see maybe also bowser but judon is the one who's done it more to start with and has shown more of that gap selection savvy that you'd like to see from a pass rusher yeah you know the one one of the things that i thought patrick queen has been really effective at as a rookie there's been some he's had some great moments and some really terrible moments Um, but i I thought he's been exceptional at rushing the passer Mm -hmm. Um, so i'm really interested to see how they do use him kind of in this personnel setting and whether or not they let him continue to do that he's so quick through the gap sometimes um and so deceptive and has a really good kind of second step through that hole once he kind of makes it look like he's going to one way and kind of uh, not euro step but euro step ish um I think he's been really effective at. So I'm I'm curious to see how Wink deploys that and a guy like Judon and, and confusing who's going to drop and who's going to rush in those situations. Yeah, I, I mean, I am too. I, what I'll say is about Queen is that doesn't take away all his pass rush snaps because you still need pass rushers at first and second down and you need deception on first and second down. And his ability to run off some another player's butt is is really good. And I, I you know, I've liked it too. That's how he got that first stack, sack against Cincinnati. Um, I'd love to see more of that, and and I think you can you can get him in doing a lot of that, even if it's not on third down. And I think you probably have less risk taking him off the field on third down in terms of a coverage breakdown of some sort that on a high leverage play. So I I I, I do like it from that perspective, and I think it actually maximizes their coverage flexibility to have Queen off the field on third down. Yeah, I, and I also wonder what will happen with some of those dime packages now that Averett is on the IR. I know that's not really the topic here, mm-hmm. um, but um, we're short a little bit on cornerback, so that's gonna. I think that's going to play a part in all this this personnel. I mean, there are a lot of chess pieces now for Wink to play with um, and, and kind of set things up, so it's going to be fun to watch. 
So, I mean, I would expect them at some point to, to get another corner, but but for, for the point right now, for where we are right now, I mean, they have a dime package that seems to be okay with Gilchrist on the back end and Smith back at corner, but that's very thin because that's it. Those six guys are all we got right now. And, you know, and after that, it's Khalil Dorsey. And right. that's a, you know, it's a big step down. And um, I don't think we even know how, how big a step down, you know, if he were to jump in there and have to play. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, him specifically as a player. We, we hit on some of these points, a little smallish. Um, one of the things I really noticed is he doesn't have a particularly good bull rush. He doesn't really like to go to the body very often, doesn't do it all that much. Um, yeah, he, you know, he's not, he's, he's not that physical um, edge guy. And, you know, similarly, one of the guys that I kind of thought of in terms of how the Ravens kind of approached pass rushes was like a little bit more like Elvis Dumerville, where mm-hmm. he is kind of always trying to get to the outside. I think Dumerville's bend was a little better than Ngakwe's bend, um, but their approach is similar. Dumerville was never great against the run and was always kind of a little bit on the smaller side. He wasn't. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii going to engage unless he had to um, in, in running situations, but still could be really effective. And the Ravens schemed really effectively when they had him and Suggs together. So, um, you know, I think that can still work here too. Right. I, 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 you know, we mentioned this briefly, but I kind of want to talk about it a little more in terms of how it kind of simulates a bull rush. Uh, but he uses one arm to get long and comes at a tackle effectively on an island in space. And sometimes he's quick enough to beat him, which which is is okay, and that's great. A lot of times, if he really tries to do that without making contact, he'll get blocked south of the pocket, meaning just you know below the quarterback's position, and and uh, the quarterback's able to step up naturally into the pocket. If he does make contact, he tries to make contact on the outside shoulder of the defender or the middle of the chest of the defender so that as he's moving in that same direction, that that defender has to give ground to, to stay even with him. So it's a net, it kind of almost looks like he's bull rushing him with one hand. He's like, well, that's monstrous strength. Well, that's not what's actually happening. That, that defender, that, uh, that uh, tackle is giving ground to Ngakwe in that, in that uh, period. He has a wonderful chop move to take down that outside arm of the tackle and convert chop to speed uh, to, to make that rush around the corner. Uh, yeah, those are great things. He's, he's a pile of five sacks this year. They haven't all been great looking sacks. So he's had some uh, definitely had some coverage sacks and some cleanup sacks. Uh, but what's it, what I really do like is about him. He's, he has a nose for the football when he gets there and really tries to chop it loose. Yeah, he does. He fits right in with the Ravens, who seem to be every every the, every week. I feel like they're trying to rip the ball out a little bit more, and he, he fits in that regard. And I think, I mean, he had a year where it was what eight or or nine for or no six forced fumbles. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. So he, you know, he's back there trying to get to the ball, and I, you know, 
the, the thing that impressed me the most about him is is that kind of his speed once he engages and gets disengaged at the top of the pocket like that um it's not bend like you see from some of these guys but it's it's real meaningful quickness and burst um once he gets up there and that'll be really nice for the ravens to have i think if we're able to balance that with a push on the inside the ravens could really complement that speed in terms of kind of containing and keeping quarterbacks kind of a little bit under control Yep. So his five years in the NFL so far, including his partial season, four, six, zero, four, and two forced fumbles. So those are some fantastic numbers. Uh, he's one of uh, he's one of the top five because there's ten guys I know that are tied with two of which three of them now I think are Ravens, and uh, or maybe four of them are Ravens, and then Humphrey is is leading the entire NFL with four. So uh, it's a uh, it, it, it's a it's definitely a cool addition. It's like picking up a new ball hawk. Except it's uh, of a slightly different type. But uh, what else I want to say about him? The pursuit move, pursuit speed he's got has been solid. He had a, he had a tackle for plus one, which effectively is a sack lost, but is still a very effective play. It was on a third and four play. It took down Watson for a a, a gain of one. It's re- that's really a sack for plus one. I wish there was a way to kind of count those in when they end up like that, but they but they don't really get that sort of treatment. Yeah, he's 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 good enough in terms of that pursuit speed, and and you definitely saw some of those clean up and coverage sacks, which is kind of that not giving up. Um, you know, I wouldn't label him as kind of the the really get after and chase for for you know really hard kind of guy. Um, but I think I think this is not going to be an issue. I do worry a little bit about screens um, because mm-hmm. he is much more a get up the field um, and and try and do whatever he's doing. And the Ravens, it seems as though teams are attacking the Ravens with screens more and more. Um, so that concerns me a little bit, but the interior guys cleaned up some of that. So hopefully that'll offset some of those issues potentially too. Yeah. I mean, the, the Ravens amazingly the last couple of weeks, you know, against Washington, against Philadelphia, against Cincinnati, um, they've messed up some of the screens with pressure, which is hard to do, but you, you get pressure, the quarterback's throwing it early, and then somebody else deflects it. I mean, just, you know, some wonderful things have been happening on these short plays, including that the second play of the game, I guess, against Philadelphia, they had McPhee deflect the ball, and, and uh, uh, Campbell took him down for a six-yard loss, and uh, they had a, a similar play against Washington. I mean, just, it's, there's a lot of ways to beat a screen pass, but I agree with you that we'd rather have a Suggs on the outside who could sniff out a screen a mile away and would be right on the on the potential receiver because that that not only does that usually um, short circuit the play because the quarterback won't take it, but sometimes the quarterback even has to take a sack in those situations. So that's a nice uh, nice little bonus additional. All right, what else we got to say here? Um, Oh, yeah, there was one other thing. One other thing I bet that Wink will take advantage of in terms of how he rushes the passer. Because he is that uses the the method he does that and, and really traditionally will fan out the defensive end, whereas a you know a slower pass rusher wouldn't necessarily be trying to do that every play. They might be trying inside, outside, bull, various things. It really is going to create B-gap opportunities for slot corner blitzes. Not for just slot corner either. You could get safety blitzes. And with all the Ravens bring from that area and also the potential to stunt through that gap, I think it opens up all sorts of other cool opportunities. So you think about Ngakwe not being a one-on-one winner in that case. He's almost like a supporting pass rusher because he's creating that open gap for a different guy. Yeah, I think – and I can't remember which sack it was um, – I think it was in the Cincinnati game where Judon played a similar kind of role. He he basically just 
stunted up the field, but it created such a gap for, I think it might've been Campbell. I honestly can't remember um, who was in on the play, but he stunted far enough up the field. It pulled the guard out of position. And then through that B gap, there was, it was just easy to get home. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm excited to see what they can do with those combinations on the interior. I think Judon has proven himself to be a really effective stunting guy. And, and Clayus Campbell is too kind of going both ways. So, um, you know, I think the Ravens can add some deception in there, but you know, you also have to be careful it felt like, you know, the Ravens at times can get a little carried away with their stunts and and do it a lot. And in the Kansas City game, it felt like they kind of stunted themselves out of some pressures because they were so successful the week before. Um, so, you know, as long as they kind of keep it in check, I think, you know, the other concern is that running lanes open up if you go the wrong way and teams are going to try and attack you that way. Um, but I think that the creativity of where they can bring it, and I, I absolutely agree with you, I think, you know, this, the the secondary blitzes are where I think we're going to start to see some more exciting shots where guys are going to come clean through the pocket and really blow up some plays. Um, and we've already seen a, a, a fair number of that, but I think if we see more of that, that would be great. Yeah, I think going back to the Chiefs and the game plan's got to meet the opponent. And and I'm I'm completely agreeing with that game. First of all, they ran ten deceptive blitzes in the game and Mahomes was ten of ten for 156 yards on those plays. In in the last game they had seven stunts. Okay, seven individual stunts, six quarterback hits and a pressure, all on different plays, by the way. Just so that worked, you know, and uh, unfortunately, the last one, there's a pressure was also a, an 18 yard touchdown pass on fourth and nine. But it, it, it basically it worked in terms of getting the pressure that they wanted to do. Uh, I'm, I, I think a lot of people are saying, great, now we can just rush four. And I'm saying, no, now the, the pressure he sends is going to be that much more effective. I, th I think they were already kind of cutting back on numbers a little bit the last two games against kind of a weak offensive line. I think maybe we'll see. That sort of reduction continue that they'll be more in the forty percent range than the fifty three percent range, say, in terms of how often they rush five. But I don't think they're going to stop rushing five because I think there's too many opportunities now with what'll be created at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, I, I Wink is not going to go away from his his genetics <laughs> on on where he is on this stuff, and 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 it's true. And Gakaway is only going to make it more effective. You know, some sometimes these blitzes happen, and and as you talk about in a five man blitz, everybody gets picked up. That's going to happen, um, and it certainly happened this year. So having another guy that can win in his spot, and having another guy that can win when he's one on one in particular, um, is only going to is only going to add to kind of the depth and strength that the Wink's going to be able to utilize. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you if you caught it because we haven't had a chance to talk since the last game. But the if you look at four thirty eight and four thirty five of the fourth, and so it's the it's the play before the touchdown on fourth and nine, and the play of the touchdown. Bowser and um, Campbell had alternating over and under plays that just make me think all kinds of wonderful things about those guys playing next to each other. I I, I love it when one player is designated for things, but I love it when they both can do both too. And they're both happy getting, because that's, that's a pair of players who are going to want to continue that kind of relationship, I would think. Yeah, and I, I mean, and even just thinking about that, right, if you've got a combination like Campbell and Bowser on one side doing that successfully, and you've got Judon and Ngakawe doing some other thing really effectively, and you are in, you know, these third and seven, eight, nine plus situations, um, you know, the stunts are totally on the board in those situations. Oh, right? yeah. You don't have to worry about the run in the same way. You don't have to worry about the same kind of things. That's real. That could be really effective. That, that could be really effective. All right.
All right. So now what else we have to talk about here? Um, one of the questions was, where does he fit in the Ravens packages? I think we just talked a little bit about that. I think I think what we're going to see, and largely because of how they have to get more outside linebackers on the field if they're going to utilize the entire six-man roster in part, is that I think we're going to see a lot of six defensive backs, zero inside linebackers, and then Judon Bowser, McPhee, and Gakwe and Campbell, that five-man team, uh, you know, out there on third down. A nice benefit of this also, additionally, is the Ravens now have some significant depth in their pass rush, not only for other downs, but if anything were to happen with injuries. Uh, certainly some of the older players on the Ravens are in that group, McPhee, Campbell, Wolf, et cetera, and, and are injury prone such that uh, you, you know you can really appreciate that depth. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's see what else we have to talk about. Um, who loses snaps? This came from uh, Connor Kellerstrass and Colin Minion Hunter also uh, commented, and this is a good point about Wink handing out snaps with an eyedropper. You know, the extra, the extra outside linebackers, and now the ability to rotate them situationally more to fit, you know, where they're good. It really also creates, I think, a higher effort situation as well. Yeah, the the effort situation I think is is where you get your best bang for your buck too. Um, and where you can stay fresh later in games, um, particularly, you know, especially in, in games where you expect the Ravens to be up by more um, and teams to be passing more, keep your, keep your pass rushers fresher earlier in the game, use your guys that are better at defending in the run earlier in the game. And I think the other side of that is also, you know, a little bit of injury concern, you know, we, Aver is going to be down for five or six weeks. You, you see guys go down for, um, it doesn't always have to be an IR situation, right? You don't always have to lose a guy for the year. Um, and so adding another guy into this mix that's meaningful depth that that kind of is a little bit of a different skill set than what most of the rest of the crew brings, um, I think is welcome for the long run of this team. All right. All right. What, are, what about the prospects of signing them long-term? This came from Tim Johnson. Do we really believe that's going to happen? Uh, I've got my thoughts on this, but let's hear yours first. Yeah, I, I think they are. I think that, you know, I think if the Ravens were going to sign Matt Judon to the long term, it would have happened to start this year. I think that there was a chance that, you know, the way the cap was looking and kind of where everything was pre Earl Thomas, there was a very, I thought there was a very real window where the Ravens could have signed Judon to something long term and Jadavian Clowney something long term and fit them both in under Judon's salary cap number this year. And the Ravens were rumored to want to try and trade a pick for salary cap dollars for Clowney. I think they wanted a guy that could rush the passer. I think he was a the guy they wanted and they didn't want to commit to Judon to the long term in any circumstance, really, you know, short term, they're happy to have him. I think they're happy to continue to use him. Um, but I think that they don't think that he's the fit or the kind of guy that they want. I think you would much rather pay Bowser what you're going to have to pay him to extend him to do kind of most of the things that Judon does. I think Judon's better than Bowser, but I think from a bang from a buck perspective, you can save some dollars there. So the flip side of that is that the Ravens want a pass rusher. Um, and I think they like, they, they, they were linked to Ngakwe a few different times already. Um, and he was a guy that, that were rumors, all, all kinds of rumors about even pre franchise tag of Judon that they might let Judon walk if Ngakwe got away. Maybe they would go, go and try and sign him. Who knows if any of that's true, but I think there's a very real shot that they, they try and sign him. He went to Maryland. Can they get a little bit of a, a Maryland Lamar Jackson Super Bowl window run discount? And if they can, um, 
you know, I, I don't see, he obviously wanted out of Jacksonville. They've got Calais Campbell now kind of potentially able to whisper in his ear and say, Hey, this is a real organization. They're legit. They can do this kind of thing. You want to stay somewhere like here. And if they can get that kind of deal, I think they'll absolutely do it. And even if they have to get close to market value, I still think that I, I still think there's a, if I had to, if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say there's probably a 65% chance that they sign them long-term. I think that sounds about right. I, I, I love percentages and I love that you, you bring it up in those terms, obviously, you know, uh, uh, really going to my, uh, my, my likes there. Uh, he's, uh, he's a local boy. I like that part of it. Uh, I think there's something, something to be said that you maybe could get a couple million discount on a big deal. Uh, I don't think his agent's going to let him take too big a discount. Uh, but yeah, it's possible you, you could get a small discount out of the deal. Uh, he's, a pure rush linebacker and you know he's only dropped a cover about once per game this year whereas i think the ravens really need to keep one of their sam linebackers because i think they're more unicorny if you'll get me that that bowser and judan as much as you might not think they're as valuable players it's because we don't completely understand what they do for the pass rush but those guys dropping a cover and the, the coverage flexibility they bring is something I, I'm guessing the Ravens are going to want to replicate. And I don't think they're going to be able to replicate it if they let them both go. I think they might be able to find one new guy next year if they let one go. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's right. And the, the, I think that the unicorny uh, analogy is, is spot on. And, and that's the thing that the Ravens seem to have a good pulse on. I also think that you know, this is an assessment of guys like Jalen Ferguson and some of the other guys that they have on the roster kind of down the chain of, of where they think they might become or what they think they might become. I think this tells me that the Ravens don't think he's going to develop into a pure pass rusher. And, and we're not seeing that on the field anyway. Um, obviously some of these smaller school guys should get a little bit more time. Um, but I think that they don't see that with him if, if they sign and got away long-term. Right. I mean, we're 22 games in uh, Zadarius Smith was showed pretty late. You know, he'd, he'd be the the you know the counterexample to that, that, you know, even Paul Kruger what, couldn't get on the field to start in, in his rookie year. They couldn't even get him active for a while because he wasn't a special teams player. He was too far down the depth chart. But, you know, I, I think there's still a chance Ferguson will be good. And I guess what I'm really optimistic about in terms of Ferguson is because he's become a good run defender, I think he now has forged a place for himself that'll create the opportunities for him he needs to to become a good pass rusher. So yes, he's got a lot to work on. He's got a lot to figure out in terms of the violence of his hands and doing more with his hands as a pass rusher. But I think he's actually going to be okay there. All right. Now the other big news of the day, I think we're done with with this big news. I've got the air quotes going on here. Is Des Bryant signed to the Ravens practice squad? Hasn't happened yet. There's a workout. So I, I still look at this as about a 110-meter hurdles race or however long that hurdles race is. And he's got a number of hurdles to clear. And the first one was getting the phone call, and he seems to be by that. The second one is coming in and doing a workout. And I can only assume that one of the Ravens conditioning tests might be included in that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I You know, I, I think this is less about who De Des Bryant himself and more about the Ravens wanting to do something about their passing game and thinking, thinking that there's something missing in, in a larger piece of what it is. I think it's, I wouldn't even, I don't even know that I'd call this a lottery ticket. You know, it's been so long since Des Bryant has done anything. I think you're right. There's a good chance that he couldn't pass 
the actual pro roster <laughs> conditioning test right now. Um, you know, you throw all that together and, you know, I, I hopefully this is equal parts wake up call to the Ravens passing game as it is assessment to see what Des Bryant can actually do when he's on the practice field for the Ravens. Yeah, I think I think I'd be happy if it were only 50 percent about Des Bryant, but I'd rather it were 20 percent about Des Bryant. It, it, we, we do talk about the lottery tickets there and I see all over Twitter. I get, you know, low cost high reward. And I basically do agree with the low cost component of it because I don't think he comes with the same emotional baggage, certainly that AB comes with, but also the risk of attachments within the team to Hollywood and to Lamar that AB would bring. And, and then you have to maybe get rid of him. And you know that makes other people unhappy that you really, really don't want to be unhappy. With, with this, Brian, there's nobody attached to him in the organization that I'm aware of. If he comes in, he fails, he fails, and he's gone. That's, that's just all there is to it. Uh, I think you know, he'll, he'll come in there, he'll be at practice, then he'll, we'll see if he can ever earn himself a practice squad call-up or injury, or because he maybe they think he's better than something they have already. But it seems to me they have other avenues to try just on the active roster before they go there. Yeah, I, to me, that's the bottom line hurdle that he's got to overcome. Um, I think that DuVernay is in line to see even more of a role. Prochet's wiggle is fantastic returning kicks. Um, obviously he hasn't been given a shot yet. Willie Sneed's role could also be increased. I think Miles Boykin is on the chopping block in terms of, um, in terms of who hasn't brought it so far this year, so to speak, I guess everybody, you know, his downfield blocking is good. I'm kind of over hearing about his downfield blocking. He, we don't, you know, if he can play tight end, great, then, then let's talk about his blocking, but at some point the Ravens need a receiver and they're going to spread those reps around. Um, and I guess that, you know, if you're worried that you've got two weeks, you know, in terms of the buy coming up where you get to assess or a week and a half now, but get to assess your own guys internally. If none of that's going to work out, you do need an emergency situation four or five weeks down the road. So maybe Des Bryant represents the bailout. If, everything goes wrong in terms of what Snead, Duvernay, Prochet, and Boykin can potentially bring to the table. Yeah, it, it, to me, it would have to be somebody not producing and somebody getting hurt, both. Yeah. Or two, or two injuries kind of thing for, for that to work. I, I, I don't think the team is as close to giving up on Miles Boykin as everybody seems to be ready to do. Uh, I'm certainly not. I, I, you know, I think he brings way too much value in the running game. I think they'd see it pretty well right away if they if they uh if they let him go it was certainly a big deal last year anyway uh des is who he is so here's here's my thing about this uh by the way do you buy do you buy it all into that des bryant would be a decent mentor for miles boykin i don't see that at all no i don't either <laughs> i think he's a competitor for the start <laughs> what a mentor go get your own damn coach <laughs> i guess I, I haven't been on twitter enough today to see that one out there <laughs> pretty funny <laughs> um so they do have two cheap practice squad activations, but my over under on his lifetime catches as a Raven is 0.5. So basically I'm saying, what's the probability of him having one or more catches as a Raven? What would you stick that probability at? I would put it at, at 0.5%. 0. 0.5. <laughs> 0, right. I, or, the, or um, yeah, 0.5% that he would ever have more. One half of 1% that yeah. he'll have one or more catches. Correct. No, that's, I, I probably take that. Bad. That's 200 to one odds you're giving me on one or more catches. Yeah. Just, wow. I don't, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to see a snap for the Ravens. I think. Okay. Is, well, that, I, it, it would be good if he didn't. I think that's pretty clear because that means the existing 
players are doing what they need to do, or it means Dez is not ready to go, but, uh, but it probably means the existing players are not. I think it's probably under under 45%. It might be more like 30% that he gets one catch. But I think if, if you're really talking about you know getting an upside reward, it's not getting one catch. It's not some sign of phantom thing about, oh, he taught, you know, Miles Boykin, how to be a better person, or something like that. It's 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 got to be that he himself gets some real meaningful receptions. And if you're if you're going to take the the probability of him getting twenty catches the rest of the year, what would you put the odds on that at? You're already at two hundred to one. Right, on I, I would put it in the I would put Zero. it in the thousands. I, I, I'm I'm surprised that you think there's a three to one chance that Des Bryant gets meaningful in-game snaps where he's getting targets for the Ravens. Now, maybe it gets to a situation where he's still in the practice squad in week 17. This may make me change my percentages, actually. It's one call-up. <laughs> right, one call-up in week 17. Ravens want to keep everybody healthy, and there's these weird COVID rules where they can rotate someone up so they give him a chance because he's been a good teammate for the year. I think that's his best chance, and I think that's a pretty long shot. Yeah, he's, and he's certain <laughs> to get a catch under those circumstances. Right. I think I think it's 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 a virtual certain. That's that's not that's not that far fetched. Anyway, that's I think true. That, that's it, true. It, I, it I'm willing have. to move up. Think, thinking <laughs> of that scenario, if it was if we're talking about meaningful competitive games for the Ravens right now, I I really do think it's a 200 to one chance that we see Des Bryant do anything. He's never. Yeah. I mean, it's been so long since he's been played. He doesn't know the playbook. I, you know, I, I don't think that. It's been a while since I watched him. I, ne- I never would have classified him as a great blocker. Um, mm-hmm. It just it, there are just so many things about the Ravens that don't that make it seem like he's not the right guy for what they need. Right. Yep. I. I well, I couldn't agree more. But anyway, uh, other than I think the the odds are probably slightly higher than that. And you know, the, all kinds of games can be played with putting a fire under and things. I, I. I just I wouldn't put it past John Harbaugh to manufacture circumstances to get a result he wanted otherwise to activate him for a game just to show some people and you know or two i mean because it really doesn't cost him anything this year you made you know you made the point yeah i could i could i i'm warming up i'm warming up to this <laughs> the the kind of randomness of the world scenario of of letting it happen all right. Well, I'm I'm basically with you that I don't think you'll see action in these next five weeks. These are these are critical games for the Ravens. These these will make the season, and then they've got five games. You know, down the stretch, that look manageable. I think we say. Yeah. All right. The, these next five games are are that that's why Ngakwe was brought in. I mean, also for the trade deadline purposes, but that's why he's here now. And and I think the Ravens know that these next five games are going to dictate their seeding and and their ability to have a shot at the bye um, if they want to try and get to that one seed. Yeah. All right. Jordan, real pleasure having you here. And I appreciate you going over. I know you had time constraints tonight, but this is great and good discussion. Nice, organic, go wherever we want kind of discussion. Uh, Tell us again where they can find your stuff, where people can find your stuff. You guys can listen to us at The Situation Room. My co-host, Gabe Ferguson, does those with me um, at filmstudybaltimore.com. You'll be able to find those there. And then I'm on Twitter at BSL Jordan Co. All right. Terrific. At Film Study Ravens, uh, we have all the normal stuff coming up this week. Offensive line scoring is out there now. The real cool thing we have, beginning of next week, we have two conversations with Brian McFarland about the state of the Ravens roster. One, the offense, one, the defense. I always look forward to those conversations, and I hope you'll give them a shot, too. Anyway, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.